Hello, it is Thursday, May 13th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. A couple things to go over today. First topic will be Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens was supposed to fight Drakkar Close on UFC on ESPN 22, but that fight got scrapped after the weigh-in when Stevens shoved Close and Close suffered a... Kind of, a, I, I think what it was was a whiplash kind of injury when he ended up with a neck sprain and a concussion. And Close is still not ready to fight. He's not going to come back, I, I'm going to assume, until he's fully healed. But the UFC has booked Stevens against uh, Matuyas Gamrot, who is 18 and 1, and Stevens is 28 and 18. For July 17th. Um, I don't like it. And the reason I don't like it is because Stevens, through his actions, be, through shoving uh, Close when he was not fully hydrated, caused Close to get a cervical neck injury, cervical spine injury, and a concussion. There's no question about who caused the concussion and why it happened. And according to the UFC president, Dana White, there's a rule against, you know, putting your hands on an opponent anywhere outside of the fighting surface. And a stare down is not a fighting surface. Well, at least it shouldn't be because you're not paid to fight Friday. You're paid to fight Saturday by the UFC. And Close did not get to fight because of a direct result from what Jeremy Stevens did to him. Now, I know the UFC is reluctant to police itself in any way, shape, or form, but why should Jeremy Stevens be able to make a living when he cost Drakkar Close the chance to make a living? So the easiest thing to do, I think, would be for the UFC to step in and say, you, Jeremy Stevens, caused Drakkar Close to lose out on income and to be, you know, you injured him through your own actions, not through fight actions, not through a, something that you signed off on. You shoved him, caused a neck injury, caused a concussion. And so you, you don't get to fight until he fights and gets cleared for, for his next fight. And maybe you don't fight until he gets cleared after that fight, for his fight after that. Because you never know what's going to happen with a neck injury and a brain injury that resulted from a shove from someone else. You just don't know what these things are going to do, uh, how how long it's going to affect close. Could be a permanent thing. Look at TJ Grant. So my take on this is the UFC is not going to do anything, uh, really, it, the, the one thing it could do and probably get away with because no one's really going to probably bat an eye is say that Jeremy Stevens is suspended until Drakkar Close comes back. Because as of now, you, you you say there's a rule, but you don't punish the guy who broke the rule. Well, then is there a rule? Or is this just another case of we like Jeremy Stevens, and so we'll let him slide? Can't have rules and not enforce them. But the UFC seems to do a fantastic job of that somehow. And uh, yeah, my in my mind, Jeremy Stevens should not have the opportunity to fight and to, to give him that opportunity says that you approve of what he did to, to Drakkar Close. And then 
with no pushback and no punishment, who's to say uh, you can do it? You can punish the next person because you set a precedent. You set a precedent, and now anyone can say, "Well, you didn't punish him. Why are you punishing me?" And your answer can't be, "Well, we like him." So UFC wants to set the right precedent. It'll suspend Stevens until Close comes back and fights. Is that going to happen? I'm going to say 99% chance of it not happening. Um, Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal said that he almost pulled out of his recent fight with Neil Magny, and here's what he said about it. This is just a brief part of his Instagram uh, post. Almost pulled out of this fight last week because I was vomiting diarrhea for three days, and after having to rehydrate and replenish what my body lost, I found myself sitting at 208 pounds exactly one week before weigh-ins. But I got issues, so I said, fuck it, and cut 37 pounds in a week anyway. Probably a super dangerous, stupid decision. Um, and then he goes on. But yeah, it, super dangerous and stupid decision. Neil knows that. But he did it because that's the only re- way you get paid in the UFC is to do that. So I don't like this either, but in... Um, at UFC 200, this is what the UFC introduced according to the Las Vegas Review Journal. The UFC has introduced a system of data collection and athlete monitoring of weight and vital signs that will enable the organization to create a database to track and analyze information on each fighter. And then here's the important part. Fighters must be within 8% of their official fight weight when they check in at the beginning of the fight week, which usually occurs on a Tuesday night. If fighters check in more than 8% overweight, They are subject to daily weight checks and vitals from the UFC and will be required to attend weight management counseling. Their scheduled fights will not be canceled. And then Jeff Nowitzki, USC Vice President, said the only hard and fast rule in there, and I think it's probably the most important thing in terms of the guidelines, is that 8% number. If they're not in that, it's not in the rules that the fight won't happen, but we're going to pay very close attention to them. So if Neil... Weighed 30, was 37 pounds overweight on Saturday. I'm doubtful that he checked in at that 8% number on Tuesday or whenever he did check in, which leads me to question this whole process. Or did the UFC think that it was okay for Neil to check in at that much over and then just through monitoring him, they okayed his weight cut? Either, either, either of those is bad. And they both tell you the same thing. The UFC is not serious about weight cutting. It, it just isn't. And we saw that again on, I think it was last week, when uh, Ryan Benoit couldn't walk to the scale on his own and had to be helped onto, literally helped onto the small step up onto the scale. And then he had a chair set behind him so he could fall back into that after he weighed in. He didn't make weight. But the uh, UFC and the Nevada State Athletic Commission let him try to make weight twice. And this is another thing I see as why the UFC's weight-cutting procedure is broken. One, if this guy comes in 37 pounds overweight or 30 pounds overweight or 25 pounds overweight on Tuesday, that's a bad sign. But they let him cut it anyway, and then they allowed him to fight. Uh, Benoit, I'm sorry, Benoit, I'm too many years watching hockey. Uh, Benoit, who could not stand, got his fight scrapped. And 
I know why he I know why he weighed in. And I probably would have done the same thing. He weighed in because if he had not even tried to weigh in, he wouldn't have gotten paid. For so the UFC should have stepped in or the Nevada State Athletic Commission should have stepped in and stopped him from weighing in. However, if I'm him, I'm probably doing the same thing. I'm making it to the scale, weighing in in some kind of hope that the UFC either lets me fight the next day, which it if he hadn't have been so shaky, he might have been able to fight the next day, or the UFC sees that I made an effort as unsafe and unhealthy as it was to make the weight and maybe they pay me. That's my thinking if I'm if I'm Benoit. Is it good thinking? No. Is it thinking that you can convince yourself that it is good thinking? Yes, because the UFC, again, pays lip service to weight cutting. Had the UFC stepped in earlier in the week or earlier in, in weigh-in day and stopped him from weighing in, they probably wouldn't have paid him, but it would have been safer and it would have been the right move. But the way the things are written and the way people get paid in the UFC is if if you make it to the scale, you have at least a shot of getting paid and of fighting. But if you know, it's, it's just a broken system. It's a broken system that shows you that the UFC does not really care about weight cutting. It pays lip service to weight cutting, and that. Well, that needs to end. And don't don't let the UFC convince you that they can't do anything about weight cutting. They can. They just don't want to because they'd probably have to make the people, um, the fighters, employees, and not independent contractors. And speaking of that, and going to our next topic, which is Jake Paul, UFC fighters, Dana White, and why can't those fights be booked? So White told ESPN, I would never do business with those guys. Just know, no, it's not what we do. I'm not going to effing loan them a guy for effing what. There's no way. You got plenty of effing goofballs out there that you can muster up to get in there and play these games that these guys are playing. Yeah, I'm not your guy. Okay, so why, why, how legally, how can White stop this? I don't really think he can. I think, I mean, I think they'll throw, UFC will throw enough money at this to make it go away. But if a fighter really wants to participate in a different sport and they are, they are a independent contractor, the UFC shouldn't be able to tell them what they can and cannot do. Now, if this was an employee, then fine. But if you're an independent contractor, say I'm an independent contractor. And, well, I am an independent contractor. And I write for Bloody Elbow. Now, most of my stuff is on Bloody Elbow. And it's probably, it's, well, it's because they, the pay is enough that I don't have to go out and find another gig to do. But say I had to find another gig to make money, to, to earn a, a living as a full-time freelance freelancer, which I am. I'm a freelancer for Bloody Elbow. So... Um, I could I could go out and and dig up another gig and write for somebody else. Would they like that? I'm going to assume probably not unless it was something they had already turned down. Um, but they couldn't say I couldn't do it now. Could they release me from my contract if they didn't like it enough? Yeah. Yeah, they could. But that 
is something I know going in. I know that if I do this and this and this, I could get released from my independent contract. That's doing business as an independent contractor. Now, if I'm an employee and I do that and, they, and it wasn't prearranged, I'm probably getting dismissed just because I'm an employee and, you know, there's a, a back and forth understanding there. Most of the time, a back and forth understanding there, which is in the contract. But if the UFC fighters are independent contractors, true independent contractors, then they should be able to sign this contract and fight for the fight a, fight one of the Paul brothers. Now, the reason they won't is probably because they'd get immediately cut from the UFC. But I would say to that point, if I'm a UFC fighter and I want to test this, work out a deal with the with the Paul brothers, and if you can make, you know, one to two million doing this, and you can't make one to two million fighting in the UFC, then maybe you roll the dice here and book that fight and tell the UFC to take you to court over it because you're an independent contractor, you're participating in a different sport, and the UFC should not be able to tell you to do that, that you can't do that, um, which reminds me that, you know, there's a there was a contract thing that said that fighters can't take uh, on risky activities such as, and this is from the UFC's story, I think, snowboarding, wakeboarding, and mountain climbing, as well as driving a motorcycle or participating in any kind of a exhibition game for sports like base basketball or football and that's in the UFC contract and that's during a once you're assigned to fight again you're an independent contractor you should be able to do all this now if you were an employee I know that the other sports have this in their contracts but they're employees and so different rules the UFC loves to abuse its independent contractors and give them all these rules and regulations and tell them what they can and cannot do, like earn over a million dollars to fight a Paul brother or participate in another sport or ride a motorcycle or give them the USADA their whereabouts. But when it comes to something like, say, a homophobic uh, remark, xenophobic, racist, sexist, any of those kind of remarks, well, then the UFC... We don't stifle anybody, but you're stifling them here. You're stifling them from earning a, a decent wage to fight a Paul brother. You're stifling them worse by not letting them participate in other sports. And then same with weight cutting. Well, we can do all these things, but we can't do anything about weight cutting. Again, you can't do anything weight cutting because you don't want to. There's differences here. There's a difference between wanting to and being able to. And the UFC loves, 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 loves to limit its independent contractors when it hurts them, the independent contractors. And that's the only time this ever gets done. So, you know, maybe somebody is out there is willing to push it. Somebody is out there willing to say to the UFC, I'm taking this fight with, the, with Jake Paul for this much and I'm allowed to do so because I'm an independent contractor. Now, they'll probably get released, but... At least they practiced what they can as far as independent contractors and didn't just fall for the UFC line that you can't do it because we say so even though you're not an employee. Well, you know, then how about you make me an employee? That would be nice. Uh, Ariel Helwani was asked about his relationship with Dana White, and I think this was on Renee Paquette. 
I forget. Eh, I'm going to stop here. And that's all I have for today. I will be back on maybe tomorrow, but definitely Sunday night. So until then, everyone stay safe. Hello, I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is the UFC 262 pick and prediction for the main event between Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. The fight will decide the next UFC lightweight champion after Habib Nurmagomedov vacated the title after his win over Justin Gaethje in October. Dana White, UFC President Dana White, would not accept that retirement from Nurmagomedov and waited until, I think, March to make it official. And so now the title is, empty, is vacant and Chandler and Oliveira will compete for that on Saturday. Main event, UFC 262, streaming on ESPN Plus, pay-per-view, and from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Yes, this one has a live crowd. Let's go down the tail of the tape here. Um, Oliveira is 38-0-1. Chandler is 22-5-0. Oliveira is 5'10". Chandler 5'8". Oliveira 3-inch reach advantage with 74 inches. And both fighters compete orthodox. Striking stats. Oliveira 3.22 significant strikes per minute. Chandler, again, this is this is only based off his fight with Dan Hooker in the UFC, so he is 4.29. Striking accuracy is 52% for Oliveira, 49 for Chandler. Absorbed per minute, Oliveira absorbs 2.94. Significant strikes to Chandler's 3.76. Striking defense, 54 for Oliveira, 52 for Chandler. Uh, grappling, Oliveira, 2.64 takedowns per 15 minutes. Chandler 2.37, take down accuracy 44% for Oliveira, 41 for Chandler, defense 57% for Oliveira, 80% for Chandler, submission average 2.8 for Oliveira, and 1.4 for Chandler. Um, I'm picking, just to get this pick out of the way, I'm picking uh, Oliveira to win by submission. And uh, I think that might not be a safe pick, but I, I'm just leaning that way just because of Oliveira's experience and that he is on an eight-fight winning streak here, and he has finally, I think, found the groove of his fighting. I, the seven fights before he fought Tony Ferguson, he ended every one of those, so it's not like he is just getting lucky here. He is on the best swing of his career. He's stopping fights, and he's winning in big ways. Even the, even the fight with Ferguson that went the distance totally dominated that fight. Chandler has been in some wars. He's been up and down, and I just don't think that he's ready for the competition that Oliveira is going to give him. Don't, don't, don't think that Chandler is, I don't think, I know Chandler is an extremely good fighter, and he's going to be ready, but I just don't think he'll be ready for where Charles Oliveira is right now. Earlier in Oliveira's career, maybe, maybe, but right now, I see Oliveira as one of the more unstoppable fighters. Uh, he has the UFC record in submissions, I think 14, which puts him ahead of the likes of Demi Amaya, 
George St. Pierre, those kind of guys that, you know, excellent submission guys in their own right. But Oliveira has just hit his prime here, and he's still pretty young. Um, I think he is only 30. Just check here. Yeah, Oliveira is 31. Chandler is 35. So I just think the way Oliveira is going, it, it's just too good right now. Um, if I was... For those favoring Chandler, I think he can get it done. I think if he does, he's gonna it's gonna be a knockout. So if you're wanting to go with the with the underdog and maybe a prop bet with the underdog, I don't think it'd be out of line to think that that Chandler is gonna get a knock could could get a knockout. He could do so, I believe, on the feet or on the ground. Um, but I'm still favoring Oliveira to to get the victory and Oliveira by submission. Even though Chandler has never been submitted, I think Oliveira is going to catch him. Um, and that's really all I have really to say about this is I just think that where Charles Oliveira is at right now is levels ahead of almost everyone in the UFC's lightweight division. Yes, I know that this fight should have been probably Poirier and Oliveira for the belt, but Poirier is going to get paid to fight McGregor, and then the winner of that fight will probably fight for the title. Um, I also think this is a good decision by the UFC, and this was something Dan Hardy brought up in that had it been Poirier and McGregor for the title, which also would have made sense from a, a, a monetary standpoint, that you are not far enough removed from either of those men getting beaten easily by Nurmagomedov in their title shots. So and then it becomes a, well... You know, Nurmagomedov both, both, both beat both these guys, so they're not really the champions. Chandler and Oliveira never fought Nurmagomedov, and so you have a more legitimate claim to being the champion than a Poirier or McGregor would. And a, that's the wrong thing to say. You, you're less likely to get questioned if you hadn't lost to Nurmagomedov. Now, if someone comes in out of that fight and beats Oliveira, well, then... I think that stirs everything back up, and everyone goes back and says, "Well, you never beat Nurmagomedov." But what can we? That's something we can't really help right now because he retired, and I doubt that he's coming back. Um, yeah. So I'll pick an Oliveira submission. I don't. Let's say fourth round when Chandler starts to get a little tired. Uh, Oliveira submits him. That's my pick for the main event of Saturday's UFC 262, which takes place at Toyota Center in Houston and will be on ESPN Plus streaming pay-per-view.